Hey everybody, welcome to Savvy Talk, a weekly podcast about communication strategies for the Middle East with Maha Abulundi. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about handling a crisis. What should you do when you're in one, how you should take care of it, and most importantly, how to prepare for one. People will have really terrible things happen to them and they could have prepared it or they could have been better prepared for it. So the worst time to prepare for a crisis is when you're in one. I have built most of my career dealing with some pretty big crises and um, I've learned a lot from each and every one of them. And with 24-hour social media, real-time news, you got to be prepared because something can break at any moment and once it does, it goes viral. And the whole definition of virus is you can't control it. And when you're in a crisis and something goes online and it goes viral, you really can't control it. Every, I think, like you said, in, in a 24-hour online world, every hour that you're not responding or not doing anything is very noticed now. Do you remember when, like, when Twitter kind of like started taking off over here, like something 2007, 8, 9? You know, we had companies, large companies, that you would reach out to on Twitter at the end of the day because you would have a problem. And they would be like, someone will get back to you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't just sit there for two hours while someone is, especially someone who's like with a decent enough following is sitting there ranting you out because you're not responding. So the name of the game is rapid response. How fast you need to move to protect your most important asset, which is your brand. So companies that do it well have had like really great rapid response and people notice. And companies that didn't do it well didn't have their game together. And I always think about a crisis as a moment that can define you, define you in a really good way, and you turned it into an opportunity that's like winning, (laughs) hashtag winning, or it turned into a moment where your values were tested, your back was up against the wall, and you didn't deliver and everybody noticed. And those are really hard crises to recover from. So Netflix had uh, just launched in France, and they started dubbing their shows. So it would be like Friends, for example, and then there would be dubbed audio on it in French, which was like off with the words and the language was like not very good. So when they first launched in France, everyone was like crucifying them. Like the dubbing was so bad. It was just like crucifying the language and the French were so offended and it was really bad. Their PR team in France mastered rapid response. The minute they saw this thing going horribly wrong. They created a video with their CEO, Reed Hastings, who was a great sport, and they put the dubbing all wrong. So they basically said, you know, we we made a mistake, mea culpa, we're sorry. Here's our CEO apologizing on a terribly dubbed French video to kind of show he has a sense of humor and we messed up. And it's so bad that we did this video to show how bad it was. And then everyone loved it. They're like, oh, that's great. And Netflix, you know, really understood the problem. They admitted it. The CEO fessed up. They actually made a mockery of it and made fun of themselves. And I think that's a really good example of how you take a really bad situation and then they got a lot of positive PR coverage. Like, this is how a company should respond to a mistake. We love Netflix even more. How cool is this? They went, obviously, and changed how they do their dubbing and how they do their translation. And the company obviously learned a lot. And they used that example when they trained all of the PR people that they work with around the world. Yeah, that's one of the things, right? Now when people remember that incident or that crisis, this is what they'll remember. You know, it's not, it's like, yeah, but they had bad dubbing, but do you know what they did after? And, the, and that becomes, it, it automatically gets tied to the story. Yeah, so when I work a lot with clients, they say to me, well, give us an example of someone who does PR well or someone who did a 
who handled a crisis well? Because we can all point to the big mistakes, like the things that people didn't do well because they didn't get back to you, they didn't do stuff. Some companies were really poorly at these. So I'm thinking of really easy global experiences like United Airlines when the guy got dragged off the plane and they just didn't apologize quick enough and they didn't get, you know, together. You think about what happens when you have a crisis. Like, what are you supposed to do, Shirag? The first thing is you got to get the facts. Find out what happened. And that could be the good, the bad, and the ugly, but get the facts. Find out who are all the key people involved, what happened, what time did it happen, who, all the data that you need to do. First of all, you got to get the facts. The second thing straight out of the gate that I advise clients and I do myself if I'm running point on a crisis is if we made a mistake, we apologize immediately. Immediately. Like you got to just say sorry. Third is you got to show empathy. Besides the fact that you made a mistake, you really have to show that you care. You care that you messed up. You care that you hurt your customers. So showing empathy is really, really crucial, especially when it comes to a crisis. Number four is be transparent. Don't hide. Come clean completely, even if it hurts you. And this has been, you know, having those difficult conversations, admitting you really screwed up badly, admitting maybe if there was an accident at a plant and somebody died. Like if it's bad news, just rip off the Band-Aid, admit it, put it all out there, and then be super transparent about it. Sometimes companies loop in third parties or experts. I'm not talking about influencers. I'm talking about like the health and safety committee or we need an authority that can say, okay, now this plant is safe. I'll give you an example. And this happened in Egypt. The Egyptian government does audits on warehouses for food companies all the time. And they went in and saw that they had all this expired chocolate. And they ran this terrible story about all this expired chocolate that was on the shelves of all these stores in Egypt. Well, chocolate doesn't expire. I mean, it gets gray and it changes color, but it's so, it's healthy to eat. It's safe to eat. No one's going to get sick. So in this instance, we just went, got some experts like, does chocolate expire? What's exp- It tastes bad after time. It's a freshness issue. It's not a health and safety issue. So looping in an expert to clarify is like a really good way to kind of, you know, bring some credibility to the story and to calm people and, and help understand really kind of what's going on. You know, the biggest thing with crises is is remember that you are in public in everything you do. So you think about the public pivot. Like, how do you pivot in public matters? Because it's like driving a car down a highway and you're doing maintenance on the car while you're driving full speed. Everybody's watching. Everybody can see. So when we think about crisis management, everyone can see what you're doing. Did you say it fast enough? Did you not say it fast enough? Did you help that person? Did you take care of the crisis quickly? So things like that really, really matter. So last and not least, build and develop a recovery plan. So start to figure out what policies do we need to change? What employees do we need to train? What kind of changes do we need to make so that this doesn't happen again? So the recovery part of the crisis is actually more important than the crisis. It's like, what did you learn from this? And how are you changing your business based on what you learned from this experience? There are a lot of positive repercussions that can come from a crisis because you can improve your operations, motivate employees, and really show your team 
when you get stuck in a crisis, this is how you step out of it. No, and that goes back also to the communication bit, right? Like when you're doing this recovery plan, like communicate that, right? And it, and a lot of times I think what we've seen generally is companies think that if we announce that we fired the person that was handling it, like we've solved that problem. Yeah, it's kind of not how it happens. That's not how it happens because in the next thing we're like, okay, you fired that, but how do I know this is not going to happen again? What policies did you change? What, like you said, the tech or in, in the case of a breach, like what have you done differently? How are you collecting data differently to make sure that doesn't happen again? And those kind of things. And when you communicate that, it makes a big difference. We talked about in the beginning, the worst time to prepare for a crisis is when you're in one. So we're not in a crisis now, Shirag. So let's prepare. Number one is we should think through what are all the risks that my business is facing? Uh, the internet can go down, blackout. So let me give you an example of Netflix. So what are all the things that could go wrong for Netflix? Like the internet could shut off and people can't stream Netflix, right? That's a scenario that could happen in any market around the world. So you think about what are all the different crises, scenarios that your business can face. Credit cards don't work. The banking system fails so people can't buy my product. That's a potential scenario. In that case, what do we do? So you start thinking through what are those scenarios and make a checklist. And then you think about how would we handle it from a legal standpoint, from a communication standpoint, from an employee standpoint, and you build out the scenarios for each one of those. What are we going to tell the employees? What are we going to tell our customers? What are we going to tell the government? What kind of things do we need to draft? And we actually draft those. Like we ended up drafting statements. If there was a blackout and our product went down offline, what would we say to the media? So you prepare those in advance. You're not scrambling to write sentences and translate them and all that kind of or stuff. Or you don't have someone that is in the line of fire say something that could be really go down badly because they haven't they haven't read that piece because there was nothing to read. Yeah. So first is prepare what that list of risks is and then how you would play them out. Two is you got to train people. Like crisis management is about training. If everyone knows what to do, then you can get through the crisis. So I was in the fire at the Address Hotel on New Year's Eve 2015. And to be honest with you, I have never seen more impressive crisis management. Everybody knew what to do. Everyone knew how to execute, everyone how to evacuate people, how to get people out. Everybody knew what to do. And that made the guests happy. And we were in a dangerous situation. And I walked out of there going, wow, if I ever get stuck in a fire, I want to get stuck in a fire that's managed by Dubai because they know how to do this stuff. They were prepared of what to do in a crisis. And then the third thing is do a drill. Like try to make sure you know how to execute it. Don't just train people in a classroom or in a meeting room. Actually kind of do a scenario where you run through it. And then make sure that you're always listening. So a crisis can happen at any time. So make sure you're always listening to make sure if there's not a problem, if there's a customer, if something starts to bubble up and escalate, take care of it quickly before it becomes a crisis. So that listening part is one of the most important ones. That's all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, tell your friends and leave us a review because it really helps us out. You can subscribe to Savvy Talk in your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You can also find us in streaming apps like Spotify, Deezer, and Angami. And we're also on Alexa. You can find more information by visiting digitalandsavvy.com slash savvy talk. And we'll see you again next week.